Hi, I'm John Plesnick, and welcome to Train the Church, a podcast fixated on the topic of training men for ministry in the context of the local church. This podcast is produced by Faith Bible Church in Murrieta, California, where I'm a pastor. At FBC, we provide three years of biblical training for laymen to equip them to do the work in the church that God has made them for, and we call that the Training Center. Today, we're talking about Who do we train for ministry? If a man's been attending your church for three weeks and he wants to join in what you do, should he? If a man has a different view of gender roles or eschatology, should you allow him to join your training program? What's the ideal man and what's the the bare minimum requirement? And why is it that we even prioritize training men? Joining me today is Chris Mueller, the teaching pastor at Faith Bible Church. Hey, good to be here, John. I'm fixated on training as well. (laughs) (laughs) You stole my joke. I wasn't going to use that word. (laughs) And that other man interjecting is Nigel Shaler. Uh, The three of us service pastors at Faith Bible Church. All fixated on the same thing. (laughs) Yes, very much so. Well, guys, let's get into it. Uh, y'all know at FBC, we start a group of new men every two years uh, launching into the training center. And that new cohort starts in August. Applications are turned in during May, June. And it never fails. A man new to the church uh, comes up two weeks before things are starting and asks if it's too late for him to join the training center. So, Nige, how, how do you respond when that happens? I think if it's someone that we know and uh, we've been around for a long time, we've seen them in ministry, we've certainly entertained the idea, right? So um, that, that describes a guy who is known. What about a man who's more unknown? Yeah, if we don't know them, we probably pause. Um, now, we have guys that come in from other churches that we don't know that well, so every situation will be unique. Uh, but one of the things that the training center does, we, we understand it's not just a program that they start and finish. This is a part of the church. This is a part of the bigger picture of how we train in the local church. And so really important for us to know the guys and for them to know us. So we, the last thing we want is someone to jump into training center when they don't really know what they're getting themselves into either. Mm. Yeah, you have to think about this in terms of not a classroom, but just an overall process of involving discipleship and instruction and repetition and ministry experience and so it's really an expression of the life of our church you know you mentioned a couple of things john about as far as having a application before each semester and really we used to run the training center without that Uh, as we've developed and grown now over the course of 15 years uh, then things have come into place that help us to identify those men that would be best suited for this particular process. And also, when somebody listens to us talk about training, they think, well, this is the only training that we do. And in the context of our church, there's actually evangelistic events. There's actually discipleship that occurs in our community groups. There's actually some intense ministry training, discipleship, and theology equipping that goes on with men. And then there's this ministry for training that is that three-year process that we start every other year. And we do it every other year so that we don't die because we're <laughs> rotating through guys uh, in, a, in a very aggressive process. And so if we actually had every year, all three years going on, we'd be out pretty much all evening, three nights a week, which uh, is a pretty heavy load, especially with you with young kids and just the, the overall responsibilities of ministry. So every other year is a really great way to start. Yeah, it's funny when we have guys who come in late to the church or into the process, you know, the, the application says you need to be at FBC for two years, right? Which is so that they would be plugged in and connected in the life of the church. And so that they would know in a sense 
who what they're getting. Yeah, uh, there can and what be they're a, not getting. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> both sides. There can be a real naivete on uh, guys as they come in expecting things of us that we aren't. And well, yeah, because they're not just coming to the training center to learn theology. Mm-hmm. I mean, anyone, I guess, could read our doctrinal statement on the website and kind of get a feel for what we teach. Mm-hmm. But that's not the whole picture. There's a whole philosophy of training. There's a, there's a, a way that we do church. There's a direction, there's a character and personality to the church that someone who's new to us would not know about just by reading a website. So they need to be around for a while. It's really important. Yeah, yeah. as they jump in, there'll be an expectation for them to invest in a discipleship relationship with the other men in that particular group. Uh, they'll need to be open to every possible question and every possible area. We tell them right up front that if they want to hide things, this is not the process for them, Uh, that we're going to be transparent, uh, we're going to be open, uh, we're going to be direct, uh, we're going to address issues as we see them in their lives, not just doctrinally, but personally, maritally, their family, their upbringing, every element of a man's life, his work ethic uh, is all on the docket. And so for a guy to jump into that without any knowledge of what we're doing uh, could be really traumatic. Yeah, do you, I don't know, I'm sure y'all remember, I think back, there was a season of time when it seems like people would come in, guys would come in and be really excited about being at FBC and what was happening. And that would last for about two, two and a half months, and then they would just disappear or take off and move on or get really frustrated about something that they didn't realize we believed. And uh, I think there's some wisdom in pushing them to, pushing guys to wait who are eager for training. Yeah, as a church, we like to have a big front door and a big back door, and that we want people to be able to understand who we are and what we're trying to accomplish. But when you start to ask someone uh, about uh, how they're doing and what they're struggling with, and they're not really comfortable with that in a true discipleship relationship, uh, then they're going to hit the road. They're not going to want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen some guys that have dropped out of that process in light of that expectation. Mm. Yeah, we want guys to come into the training center because they love the church mm-hmm. and they want to be a part of the church. And uh, and if it takes a while, we know it does take a while to get to know a church, then um, that needs to happen first. And frankly, we'd be happy to direct people to other local churches as long as their theology is good and the pulpit is solid and the leadership is uh, made up of men of integrity, then we will happily recommend other local churches for those that are looking for something not quite like us. And that takes a while to figure out. Yeah, and by God's grace, we live in a place where there are some mm-hmm. of those, which Absolutely. is great. So, what you know, Chris, you mentioned how we have now applications. We didn't start off with them. Right. That's because I think we wanted to know certain things about guys. Like, what, what were we looking for with those applications? Well, obviously, uh, a little bit of their background and where they are at theologically, not just in their systematic understanding, but also the issues that come out of that. Because those are the things that begin to divide in ministry and divide in churches. And we kind of need to know where they're at with the role of women and their millennial stance. Not so much because of the you know, smorgasbord approach of picking what millennial position you want, but because it affects and really reflects on their hermeneutics. And then whether they're the cessationist or not and those kind of elements. And then also personal habits and how they use their time and what they, how they view family and how they view family within the context of their local church. 
And there are a lot of people that come in and they worship the family. It's a family first thing. And we're a church that says, no, it's Christ first. And uh, we don't think that the church is superior to the family or the family is superior to the church, that, that we're all obedient to uh, the commands of Scripture concerning the church and the family. And so there's some people who might have an idolatrous view of family that we need to be aware of right away because we're going to try to cultivate a mentality that uh, hopefully will help them to embrace the totality of Scripture and be influential in any context. But we've got to know where they're at. So if they're on a different page in the way you describe, they're kind of out of TC. We're not going to take them. You're, you're looking for guys who've sorted that out already? Well, not really. Good question. Uh, we're, we're actually looking for a guy who's willing to put their life under the authority of the word. And we want to be able to prove that, walk that through with them. And we'll go through the process of meeting with them separately. Nigel does a lot of that. We've got some other seminary grads that actually will come alongside and help men to work through some of these issues. We force them in a loving, gracious way to read a couple of books that are very pointed on specific issues and begin to dialogue through that process because we're trying to bring them not so much to our position, but to a position that really does reflect the totality of Scripture and is actually honoring the author's intended message within its context. So theology is very important to us uh, because it reflects, of course, their understanding of who God is, why we're here, what God's going to accomplish you know, through his church. And so we want to make sure they're really on the same page on that. But we'll, we'll take a guy, and, and if he's willing to wrestle through that, if he's already dogmatically made up his mind on certain issues, we might say, well, this is really not for you. Um, so it really depends on what the issue is and how willing and open they are to wrestle with it. I, I think our process is very similar to becoming a member at FBC. Mm. Uh, not everyone has to agree in every single thing or every area of theology to become a member of the church. Uh, what they do have to do is, of course, believe the essentials, the character of God, the nature of Scripture, uh, the gospel. Uh, the, those kinds of things are the non-negotiables. You can't become a member of a church unless you agree on those things. But then there are other elements of theology that we're, we're fine if people take a slightly different view uh, in, in regards to the church. That is, as long as they don't propagate their views or don't become someone who spreads that uh, different understanding of theology around in the congregation. And so we ask them to do that. It would be the same for a TC. In fact, the, the one of the criteria for us anyway to get into TC would be that someone has to be a member of the church. So it kind of takes them through that process up front before they even entertain the idea of being a part of the training center process. It's hmm. interesting too, as we begin to walk through the word of God uh, and the totality of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament in the first semester, and then we hit systematic theology and then practical theology in the first year, it really does bring to the surface where they're at. So sometimes they're not even convinced or they haven't actually researched their understanding and application of Scripture. And so the actual process helps us to begin to help them define it and work it through. We're not, try again, trying to cultivate them to our position. We're actually trying to get them to embrace a solid, uh, very, very uh, well-thought-through hermeneutic and how they would approach the Scripture. And that pretty much takes care of their theological position. So if you're thinking about guys desiring to be trained or stating that they're desired to be trained, and then there's a, a shorter category of lists to say, 
these guys, I'm going to try and essentially talk out of it or just say no to at some point. Like that, that category of let's, let's have you wait or not do it right now. The criteria for that, I think, is from what I've heard, you're really recent in the church and don't know us. You are... And we don't a, know them. And we don't know them. Yeah. And you are locked in and maybe fixedly stubborn in your uh, theological differences from us. What else? Yeah, you've I, got to be teachable, don't you? And of course, this, this is the obvious. If someone's a brand new Christian... Right. Probably not going to take them or give them a while to at least to a couple months. At least a couple months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple things that popped into my mind was one was age, and the second one was someone who is just I don't know the right phrase, but uh, abundantly working through some difficult dark waters. Uh, maybe uh, someone who's under some pretty heavy accountability and counseling, someone who is fragmented in their home, someone whose marriage is, is really struggling. Uh, we, we're not really designed to minister to that kind of person within the context of the training center. It could be an asset to them, but it also could be a real strain. And so therefore, we kind of want them to have a little bit of stability before they would actually be a part of the training center. There's a, a, a level of consistency in their walk it doesn't not perfection not super maturity but not super aberrant and, and yeah I think that hits that distinction we were talking about earlier about discipleship versus training right that when there's major issues that's not what training's for right. that's what discipleship is for training is to equip you to minister to others whereas discipleship is to restore your own walk with Christ and get you healthy and uh, pursuing him holistically with all of your life so I, I'm just just affirming, like if there's, he has a jacked up marriage, if he's um, really fighting through pornography, like whatever those areas are where he needs intensive personal help in his walk with Christ, probably going to cause him to wait on pursuing training until yeah, he's ready to minister. The application forms even kind of take care of that because it requires uh, a leader in the church to affirm that this, this guy potentially has the ability to minister to others. Yeah. And so that's going to necessitate some biblical qualification. There's obvious things that kind of take someone out of that mix if their life is not uh, in tune with those biblical qualifications. Mm -hmm. I think a little bit on the age issue is that we, we actually have tried to have a couple of superstar 18-year-olds uh, begin the process of the training center and they both would reflect back to us that it was too soon for them, that they didn't have enough life under their belt to be able to actually make ministry application. Uh, they haven't done any uh, marital issues. They haven't wrestled with some of the complications that adults deal with. And so it's really better to wait one or two years uh, after high school, you know, wait for that 20-year-old or 21-year-old in this element of ministry training within the context of the church. I mean, one of the things we tell the guys when they get here is that from now on, we want you to function as a mini pastor of our church. Therefore, as you're wrestling with people and working with people, that you don't say, well, we're going to let John or Nigel or Chris take care of that. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to try to step up. And if I need help in that process, I'll bring our pastors or elders along in it, and they'll, they'll, we'll do it with them. So we're expecting a little bit level of maturity as they're dealing with people. So 
right out of the gate, it's probably not a good idea to get your, you know, even the superstar ones, the ones that are really the shining lights, it's better to wait until they have a little bit more life under their belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they need a context in which to be able to practice what they're learning. Mm-hmm. In fact, often what we'll tell them is that we don't want to train you to do something you aren't doing or can't do because of stage of life or ministry limitations. So, yeah, we want them to be able to put these things into practice and it becomes a qualifier for going into the process to begin with. This now, is the opposite, I think, of a lot of training approaches where they just say, well, just bring, take, bring them in, you know, take anybody who wants to come. And it's like, no, we want to be thinking through that this, this guy's ready to go. This, he's ready to run. He's ready to minister. He's ready to serve. And men right out of high school or even the superstar guys that, you know, somehow get their high school diploma at 13, uh, those are really not the guys that are ready in this process with really ministry within the context of the church. And that's our focus. Our focus is not to replace a seminary, but to actually train all the men that will never go. So the men who would never end up darkening the door of a seminary, we're going to try to invest in so that they can be as useful for the kingdom as possible. And the bonus that comes out of that is that the men who are trained through that process that really we recognize should go to seminary and are needing to be those pastor teachers who would then open up God's word before a congregation, then they do go. So we're actually establishing who should go to seminary so it's not a replacement of that process. Yeah. It's even funny, isn't it? Because we've seen over the years the young guys that have started the, the program, uh, they come in, they, they can pass the exams, they do really well on the quizzes, they can learn all the material, they can do great on the content, but they've got no way to be able to understand how that applies. Then you see the older guys who have been around the block and they've lived some life and they, they kind of know what what life is about and and they don't do so well necessarily or always in exams and their scores may not be quite as high but we don't care because we love them more because they are the ones who actually know how to put these things into practice and apply them in life and ministry Hmm. well one of the processes too that we use uh, that helps us to actually identify who these men are and what they should be doing in ministry is we do give them exams, but we also make them write papers. We also have them do debates. We also have them in ministry experiences. And so it's a lot of different things. And some of the older guys, you know, they may struggle with the exams, but they shine in this area of ministering to other people and applying the truth in those contexts. So it really does kind of even out as we begin to go through the process, but it's using every possible educational means in which to help these men and it's really interesting to see that some of the younger, older guys really battle with the memorization part, but the application is, uh, really comes naturally to them. Yeah, earlier when you guys were describing it, you talked about uh, the application of what they do towards marriage and towards families, and you know, mentioned that as a challenge for younger men. But really what you're saying, and I'm hearing, is the focus is not so much that those guys are single, it's that they're young and in many ways just immature and need time to to grow and to be in ministry and to be more mature in how they care for people than their natural gravity is as they are in early college years. Is that pretty accurate? Absolutely, that's true. And it's not that there's nothing else for them in the church that they can go and learn and be discipled. Uh, they, They can all find those resources within the church. 
it's not like that we leave them for dead, you know. There are other <laughs> opportunities for them to prepare and to learn and to grow and, and be ready for that year when they can take on TC. Mm. Yeah, the young career guys can do that early morning theology study, the men of the word, and everyone can be involved in a ministry and disciple others and be discipled. And so it's not that this is the only answer. It's that this is to equip them for future ministry right yeah and as they're married and we didn't mention this but we do have the guys wives uh, we seek their affirmation that the husband or the the married man is ready for and she's on board with him doing training center because if she's not on board uh, that is just collapses it's a disaster yeah in the early years uh, it was definitely something where the women were uh, struggling with the idea of their husband uh, being gone, being so uh, under the word, uh, intensely studying, uh, being distracted at the home. And now after we've been able to establish several classes going through and a consistency as a part of a church, we actually have the women actually pushing their husbands to come and be a part and lamenting over the fact when they have to drop out because of work situations or change of life that, that occur, uh, circumstances that are under God's providence, so that they have to step out. The, the gals are very disappointed. So mm-hmm. they understand and they see the fruit of it in the lives of others in our church. And they're anxious to have their husband be a part. But in the early days when we first started, it was like, well, what's this gonna do? And how's this gonna take my husband away? And our goal is not specifically to make them better husbands, but if they don't become better husbands, then that's uh, a failure on our part in, mm-hmm. the, in this whole process. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it, you know, that brings to mind the other thing that we would often and sometimes still do hear from wives, which is what about us, right? And as we uh, started discipleship long ago, adult discipleship, and we launched that, Chris, you were uh, insistent that we begin it by offering it only to men initially. Uh, why, why was that? Well, the men of the church basically are called by God to lead the church and lead their homes. And so if we don't start with the men, then we're uh, really... Uh, not doing what the Lord has laid out as far as when it comes to headship and the responsibility of manhood and the, God's design in that whole process. Uh, but very quickly, the, the gals uh, were ready to jump on board and meet as early as the men uh, to uh, be discipled and to be in the process of discipling one another. Uh, we learned a lot through that process, uh, but then as it became to the training center, you know, several years in, it was, uh, I think it was your idea, John, that we would, you know, try to attack the process for women in that Titus II manner. So the older godly women who are ministering to younger women, that we would invest into those older godly women so they could be even more intentional and more equipped and more prepared to invest into the younger women. Mm-hmm. If anything, I think our th- our uh, qualification for that is probably higher for the women than it is for the men, where in order to enter into ministry training for women, they need to already be actively ministering to other women. Yeah. So. Yeah, part yeah. of that is because our window of opportunity for the woman is a lot shorter. It is, so, yeah. Uh, our, we typically would take on um, a group of women for just one year, mm-hmm. whereas the guys, we've got three years with them. So we need to compact and make it con- concise material and get a lot more into that year with the ladies than we do with the men. With the men, you know, the first year is, is Bible and theology. And in some ways, uh, it's a very general approach to preparing them for the two years that follow. But not all of the guys go through. 
they reapply every year to go on to the next stages. Uh, whereas the women don't go through that reapplication process. We need to know that these are leaders up front so that we can invest in them well. Yeah, the second year for the men, of course, is based on shepherding. And, and then the third year, of course, on leadership. And we wouldn't have a gal go through that process. So, yeah, it, ha- it demands that we really kind of condense everything into that first year and really focus on the word and theology. Really interesting. We learned a lot uh, about our, the ladies of our church in that process and how they were pretty biblically astute, but theologically not. And so that was really uh, open our eyes to some of the needs of the individuals at our church. We're always learning about our own church through this process and learning about our own lives through this process. Um, I remember us joking, um, you know, who was going to make the women cry first as we started this very intense process. And, uh, you know, I kept going. Everybody had pretty much their money on me. Um, and, uh, and then we were shocked that the four women were crying before it even started uh, that day because of the intensity. So it was, uh, you know, once we got in, it was fine. But uh, it was really interesting, the expectations of the gals in the process. And, uh, you know, we're learning to be more gracious and learning to be careful in those situations, but Mm -hmm. it was good. It was really healthy, and I think our church is richer for it because we have these gals that are equipped in that manner. And I think at some point we did each make someone cry during the (laughs) process. I'm not sure I did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, and then there was one gal that that just, uh, her husband said, just try to make her cry and I'll buy you a steak dinner. (laughs) I'm like, she isn't going to (laughs) cry. Nope. That was fun. So... Maybe the the only thing we've talked really, I think, helpfully about who who to train, who to invest into, uh, a little bit about the, the what to do about women. What about people outside the church? How should we feel? What's our responsibility to those outside of our own local church in training and equipping them for ministry? Well, we've learned a lot uh, over the years when the training center was being developed uh, in Arizona. And uh, I basically was overseeing the process uh, just by myself on staff at East Valley Bible Church. We uh, very quickly found other churches in our community that actually wanted to be a part of it. And what we did is we just expected that they would have their eldership affirm that they should come and be a part and that one of their elders would actually be a part at least once a month. Our goal was not to make them into you know, all believers of East Valley Bible Church, but to have them be someone who was trained in the context of their own church. And for that to happen, there had to be some elder involvement. There had to be ministry involvement at their church. And so we did the very same thing, but we made sure that that accountability was definitely linked to that other church. And uh, it's continued here. It didn't start right away, but then now in the last few years, we've had some wonderful um, additions from other churches, men who've made this whole process really rich for us. Mm -hmm. Some of them have been pastors who have been untrained. Some of them have been pastors on staffs who uh, are not, in a sense, the teaching pastor, but they're a part of the pastoral team and very significant men of God and very useful for the kingdom. And they wanted that time and refreshment. And it's been a huge blessing to us to have them there. It's like you have another trainer in the room. So... Awesome. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate your time today. Uh, Next episode, we're going to be focused on the environment that training happens in. If uh, ministry training is 
thought to be all about books and lectures, the environment, the context for training. It's pretty irrelevant, but if ministry training is about more than just information, then the larger ecosystem environment that ministry training happens in it just matters immensely. So we're going to talk next time about what that should look like. If you want to be notified of when that drops, hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. Uh, if We would love it as well if you'd leave us a re review on iTunes. Both of those things are huge encouragements. If you want to learn more about Faith Bible Church, you can find us at www.faith-bible.net. If you want to learn more about the Training Center, you can go to www.tc-intl.org. We use a lot of dashes, don't we? We hope you'll join us again. Until then, uh, keep investing into the church. Amen. Amen.